Exodus chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. At Mount Sinai, on the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have, been, have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. In verse 7, So Moses went back and summoned the elders, and the people set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answers back to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to these people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful what you do. Do not uh, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. And in verse 14, As Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. And then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward, bless the words that he has prepared for us. May you get all the glory from everything we do here today. Right. Well, everyone, if you do have your Bibles and you have those still open to Exodus chapter 19, please leave those there. We're going to be coming back and kind of referring back and forth to those passages that Eric just read. Um, it's kind of over the last couple of weeks, we've been going a couple of different directions. One of them was the, the Sunday of baptism, and then one of them was Labor Day weekend last weekend. Speaking of that, I just want to say a very special thanks to Miss Anna Martez, uh, uh, to Nancy Garland, who's in the back, and then especially Scott and Alicia Young and Eric Teague. Uh, thank you guys so much. They did a great job. Can we hear it for them? I mean, if you ate last week, you know they did a great job. It was fantastic, and uh, they did a ton of work. Um, as you know, as you heard, I think, last week, not everybody, but most um, my wife was up with our kids uh, and celebrating Labor Day, but also the announcement of somebody's going to be a granddad. So uh, she was up there getting that uh, 
kind of shared. So I'm excited about that. We're excited. We're looking forward to it. I've already started getting some of your wisdom uh, about being a grandparent. Some of you had shared that. And one of your uh, bits of wisdom was, you can tell that kid to call you whatever you want. That's fine. You can make it up on your own, just whatever. But as soon as they call you whatever they're going to call you, that's what you're going to be called. That's how it goes. Any of y'all ever experienced that? So yes, that's what's happening for us, and we're excited to see. And yes, uh, if you were here last week, you know I've got a cool name picked out for me already, so I'm excited about that. Um, Y'all don't think it's going to work, do you? Y'all are like, no, it's not going to work for you. Well, we do pick up today with Moses in the desert, and we left him there, and the truth be told, we actually didn't stay apart from him much longer than the reality. It only feels like it's been a long time, but we're picking up today in our series, and we're actually coming close to the end. We have today and then a few more Sundays as we talk about Moses, but I don't apologize for going deep on Moses' life because truth be told, Moses is the main character of so much of the Bible, especially the, the, the um, books of Exodus, Numbers and Deuteronomy very powerfully touched and centered and focused around Moses in so many ways. And so anytime we spend some extra time going deep on his life, we're covering a lot of ground in scripture. And so I don't apologize for it. And there's lessons to be learned. And I don't know about you, but I love looking at the biographical sketches in the word because it just feels like wow, they're not saints after all. (laughs) They're just normal people, just like us. And when the Bible refers to us as saints and a priesthood and a holy nation, it doesn't mean that we're perfect and that we're kind of people that are ready for stained glass windows to be made in our image, right? It just simply means that God has wiped away those sins that keep us going down the wrong path and have uh, has prepared a place for us in heaven. And so we see the same in Moses, the man, the myth. And today we're talking a little bit about him. So let's go to our next slide. Let's talk about where we've been. We talked about the origin story of a nation and the Jewish boy becoming that prince of Egypt. We talked about how Moses tried to do God's will his own way, and then how he was banished somewhat to the backside of the desert, and a burning bush gave him a second chance. And then we saw the plagues that preached. That's God's will, God's way. And then we talked about the Exodus and the Passover beginning, uh, pardon me, the Passover and the Exodus beginning, and then the Red Sea crossing and the Exodus part two happening. And then we talked about heaven's provision versus an earthly appetite whenever God was providing manna and quail. Today, we're talking about when God comes to meet man. And these are our last few chapters uh, that we're going to be talking about in Moses, the man and the myth. And if you do want to go deeper, if you do want to pick up where we've been and learn some things on your own, you can go ahead and check out this one that's here in the center. There is a group of uh, things called, uh, let's see, hold on, I just drew a blank on it, Um, Great Lives from God's Word series from Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll, and uh, here are just some of the uh, people that he has gone through and gone deep on, and it is a very powerful series. You can check that out if you're interested. Now, let's go to the map of Egypt and where we found him uh, and left him there. This is a modern Google image of the Mediterranean Sea, the the, uh, group of Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Israel and some other countries that are there. And you kind of can see where uh, the uh, Israelites were kept in captivity there in Egypt. We go to this next slide and we see that they have left the area there and then gone to the place here down in the bottom right corner where it says Mount Sinai, and that's where we left him and pick up the story today in Exodus chapter 19 as God meets mankind here at what is called the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. Now, I don't know if you guys have really stopped to look into it and read and go a little deeper, but maybe you have allowed things like the Ten Commandments movie or just simply the image in your mind to kind of be the thing that we see Uh, whenever we talk about Moses receiving the law from God. But I want to be very clear about something, and this is our something to learn. Let's talk about arriving at Mount Sinai first. Yeah, let's go there. That's good. Um, This happened three months after leaving Egypt. God has provided manna and quail this entire time to keep over two million people alive. The Ten Commandments are about to be given, and God's plan for them is to head straight into the promised land from here. 
You guys understand what I'm saying? Now, if you've read the story and you go a little deeper, you know that there is about to be a wandering in the desert for literally decades because of a disobedience that is about to happen. But the Ten Commandments are about to be given because God wants them to enter into his rest and enter into the promised land. But he also knows that just like you know, Egypt devolves from the things that they once thought and once held as their highest ideals, that they have devolved and gone downhill, that if, if it's not any different for Israel or for any humankind, whenever we have our high ideals, eventually whenever we become comfortable, whenever time passes and whenever things change and we kind of seek ourself rather than the group's good, we begin to devolve and do the things that bring us the most enjoyment, the most pleasure, the most um, fulfillment, the most financial gain, on and on and on the list goes, and we cease to care about the whole, and we begin to care about self above all things. Now, if you don't know this or not, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but this is our political situation in America as well. We have ceased to think of ourselves as a group and one nation under God, and we think, well, what's in it for me? And when that is our first thought, it is very, very hard for us as a nation to ever be all that we could be or to ever be great. Could I get an amen on that, right? I mean, anytime you've got an organization whose first thought is, in its constituents, what's in it for me, then we have ceased to pursue the highest goals and, cease, and started to pursue the easiest goals. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, before God puts them into the promised land, sends them that way, he tells them, I want to share with you the Ten Commandments, the things that we want to live and base our society upon. Are you guys all with me? Can y'all give me a thumbs up if y'all are with me? Okay, very good. All right, five of y'all are with me. The rest of y'all, come on, let's keep it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I did get a few thumbs up. I'm just teasing around. Okay, so let's go to our next slide. And here we find our something to learn. I got a little out of out of order, I ain't going to lie. Our something to learn is is that most people have in their minds that Moses went up once on Mount Sinai to meet with God and got the Ten Commandments and came back down. But the truth is, is that a careful reading shows that Moses goes up and down the mountain at least seven times by the end of his 40-day vigil that he has with God. So he goes up, gets a, a word from God, comes down, speaks to the people. He goes back up, you know, shares with God, okay, this is what the people have said. And in this way, we really get a sense that Moses is kind of the mediator between God and his people. And this is in many ways the way that we kind of begin to get a type of Jesus, that Jesus will eventually be the one who answers between mankind and the God who wants to meet with them. He is the way the truth, and the life, okay? And so as we begin to see this, Moses goes up, comes back down. Moses goes up, comes back down. And you'll even see it here in Exodus chapter 19 that we just read. Let's go to this next slide. I've got at least three of them listed. Um, Let's go to our next slide, if you don't mind, and then we'll back up. So then Moses went up to God, and then so Moses went back, and then so Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. And after Moses had gone down the mountain, so Moses went up the mountain, and so Moses went down to the people and told them. You see, it's all happening here. There's at least three times an up and back journey, and he does it at least seven times by the end of his time where he's receiving all of the law and all of the things that God has to share. So this is what's going on, and I want to just point out and mention something. Let's go ahead and go back one slide if you don't mind. This image that has been kind of the background image is really a a real-life picture of the Sinai area. Now, how many of you guys have ever climbed a mountain that is more than, let's say, 5,000 feet? Have any of y'all ever, like, hiked a mountain or climbed a mountain or done anything like that that's more than 5,000 feet? Any of y'all in here before? None of y'all? Okay, so, so I've been on a few different mountains at different times. Now, I, hold on, hold on. I, I'm, I've hiked a mountain. I want to be very clear. Like, hold on. Did you guys think I meant I climbed a mountain, like, with pickaxes and, like, ropes and, you know, that whole thing? You know, me hanging on a rock face and stuff? No. No, 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 no. This body was not made for that. Uh, I can barely trudge up the mountain like this, but... 
Moses is an old man going up and down and up and down, and every time I'm sure it's taking something out of him. How many of you have ever been uh, in a place where you've experienced elevation sickness? Oh, isn't that the worst? I, I swear you think to yourself, I, I really can walk from here to the mailbox and not be out of breath, but since I'm in this high altitude, it feels like I can't walk even just a few feet. Moses is an older man. These peaks in this area, they're not the beach sand dunes. It's the wilderness and the desert in this way. It's the high desert with peaks that literally reach over 8,000 feet in the air. So that's, if those of you keeping score at home, that's more than a mile, mile and a half up into the air. It's a real serious thing that Moses keeps doing on behalf of his people and the people that God wants to reach. And so God calls him up, sends him down. It is over and over and another decision and another decision and another decision. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, I don't care. <laughs> don't, doesn't matter to me. He just went up and God met him. Here's why I share, with this, uh, share this with you. And I want to just kind of camp for just a moment. The truth of the matter is, is that whenever we are following God's will for our lives... It is not a one-time decision. It is a constant and recommitting and redoing and refinding ourselves and getting back on the path and making the decision once again to pick it up today as I did in the past. How many of you guys know that to be true? How many of you know that that's every true relationship? The truth of the matter is, is that my wife and I have been married for we're getting close, babe, to 32 years in a few, in a few months. It's going to be 32 years. That woman is a saint, I'm telling you, right? And so here is the truth. The reason that we're still together is because each and every day she recommits and I recommit. And even when it's difficult, we pick up that load again and say it's still worth doing. It's still worth honoring. It's still worth doing the things that we promised that we would do a long time ago. How many of you guys know that that's how relationships truly work, right? And so the truth of the matter is, is here, we start to see what Moses and God are doing. God doesn't say, will you, will you follow me? Cool. Here's the whole thing. He says, will you follow me? Go ask them. And then he comes back up. They said they would. Okay, great. Now this is what, I, what it means to follow me. Go tell them what it means. Okay, he goes down and tells them, and then he comes back. They said they get it, and they're still in. Okay, awesome. Well, this is also what it means. Make sure they understand this. Go tell them. You understand what's going on here? Over and over and over, God will continue to call you to more commitment and deeper levels of commitment to him. And if you know that, you know that it's not a one-time decision. It is, again, picking it up. Again, doing what you promised. Again, saying, God, you're still the only way that I'm ever going to make it out of this life. And you're only one that I can count on to be my true north. And it is constantly a choice that you make, not once, but over and over and over again, just like Moses did. If you guys understand where I'm at, can you all say amen? Can you all say amen? Okay, so let's keep moving here. And man, Alicia, I don't even know. I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> this is the receiving of the Ten Commandments, and this is how it happens. This is just the timeline. Are any of y'all timeline people? I'm a timeline guy. I get so much better uh, understanding out of a timeline. They arrive at Mount Sinai, and the first tablets that are written by the finger of God, the Bible says, are given to Moses. Moses gets more instructions after that, and then he stays gone and stays on the mountain of God for a, about 40 days and nights. And then when he returns, he sees that they have made the golden calf. You guys see that? Y'all remember that whole story uh, from your flannel graph back in the day? Uh, <laughs> did any of y'all know what flannel graph is? Or is it just an old guy like me? All right. Well, here's the truth. Moses returns the golden calf, that whole issue. And then Moses goes back up on the, the Mount of God to see, okay, God, this happened. Now, where do we stand? God shows Moses his glory, and there is a second set of tablets that Moses threw down the initial set written by the finger of God, and we're going to talk more about this next week, 
But God had literally written the finger of God, writing the tablets for Moses. Moses, in his anger, throws down those tablets. They shatter, they break. But then next time, God says, we're going to do a whole other set of tablets. But this time, instead of me doing it, you're going to replace the things that I had done once before. And we'll talk about that and what that means and kind of some of the things that we've been talking about. Moses' anger issue that he never truly gets his, gets his hands on. So we'll talk about more of the receiving of the Ten Commandments. But this is the timeline that we share. So let's keep moving here as we go to our next slide. And I don't want you to miss this. God has always wanted to engage mankind in a dialogue. God has always wanted to engage mankind in a dialogue. Stop for just a second and think about the, back in the Garden of Eden. What did it say? That God came and visited man and woman in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day. Do you guys remember that? And, and when Adam and Eve hear God's voice, they don't go, oh, what's that voice? What's going on? Who is coming into the garden? No, no. They hear the voice and they go, that is who? God. Why? Because God was always there, that he would constantly come to visit them in the cool of the day. And so think about this for a second. If this is what God wanted at that time, and now he is once again in a dialogue with the children of Israel, you're becoming my people. You're going to be the ones who bear my name. You're going to be becoming the people who others look at from other nations and say, no, 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 Jehovah God is their God. They're a different group of people. And then later, whenever we see and we notice that uh, as Jesus comes and comes in the form of a baby, it's his way of saying, I'm walking in the very sandals that you're walking in and everything you're experiencing from birth to death, I'm going to experience that very same thing so that you know I've been where you are and I love you with every fiber of my being. It's God trying his very best to reach out to the mankind creation and bring them into a dialogue, into fellowship with him. And that's what he's doing. And so we look at this here and we see that spiritual maturity and godly character is not built in the miraculous moments, but in the mundane mo Mondays of our lives. In other words, it is just a constant and slow and steady progress each and every day, just a little closer, just a little closer. And this is how God will continue to move in your life. Now, all right, now let me slow down for just a moment. The truth of the matter is, is that you will have a few huge moments in your spiritual life. But most of the time, the big changes that happen are not in an event, but in a long process. That you are slowly getting better and closer and slowly giving this away because it's not worthy. And slowly getting better at this because this is what I should be pursuing. And the truth is, is that in this we see again God saying, hey, it's not one decision, it is many, followed by many more, followed by many more. And one person even wrote it down in the title of their book, he called it a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. God keeps calling me this way and I keep answering the call and I keep following that call. Now here's what I want to say. If you were a person who, who loves big events, oh, this is great, it's a big event, this is going to be great, it's going to change my life, I'm here to tell you it probably won't. It'll probably change it for a couple weeks at best, maybe a month, maybe two, but it will not change your life because life is changed by the things that you do every single day, not something that you experience on one single day. Can I get an amen on that, right? And, and, and look, trust me. As a guy who's put on a few COVID pounds, now I wasn't that skinny in the first place, let's not pretend, okay? But as a guy who's put on a few COVID pounds, I didn't get that way overnight. I mean, it was two years of like, you know, putting on a little here and a little there and a little bit more, right? I, I, Y'all pray for me. I guess I'm the only one who put on any weight during COVID, right? <clears throat> just, just me? Okay. All right, that's what we're going to go with. Okay, cool. Um, here's the truth. Here is the truth. I didn't get that way overnight, 
and I'm not going to get better overnight either. I wish we could. I wish it was that, you know, I, I got better overnight and I could give up the bad overnight and that would work. But that's not how it works, is it? It's going to be decisions that I make every single day to come past that stuff and get be, beyond those things that are instead keeping me down. It's not a miraculous moment. It's a what am I going to do on the mundane Mondays over and over and over and over again. All right, let's keep moving here. And I believe we've come to the big idea. God's commands give clarity and prevent the collapse of our lives. I want to talk about this for just a quick second. We talk about the Ten Commandments, and there's probably not a more famous group of laws, not a more famous set of ten, a top ten list, if you will. Um, there's probably not a more famous one in all of uh, you know, the, the, the spiritual realm. But it's God's command to us. And for our group, our society, the truth of the matter is, is that we don't do well with commands. Now, let me just stop for a second and you guys understand. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, need you to do this? And you're like, okay, I'll do that. And then they go, no, it's a command. And then you're like, what? <laughs> Hold on. What? I was going to do it, but then you said it was a command. And, you know, my back just kind of raises up. I'm like, what? You can't tell me what to do. You don't get to command me, right? Now, that's just how we're built. But the truth of the matter is, is that there are 10 commandments not coming from somebody who doesn't care about us. Not somebody who doesn't understand us and not somebody who doesn't know how we're built. God knows intimately how we are built, our shortcomings, and the way that human beings are. And he says, thou shalt not. And for you and for me in 2022, that feels like them's fighting words. But I'm here to tell you, you can fight it all you want but the God who created you and the God who created the universe to follow laws like four seasons and 365 days and 24 hours and on and on and on the list goes. God has set in motion laws that we are subject to. He can intervene, but most of the time we're subject to laws. And how many of you guys know that as bad as I pray right now, I jump off this stage, I'm subject to the law of gravity. Can I get an amen, right? Why? Because that's how God designed it. And when he says, thou shalt not, he's not trying to keep me from flying. He's trying to keep me from crashing. Do you guys understand the difference? And so if you feel that thing that's rising up within you saying, those fighting words, I want you to understand they're giving you clarity and they're preventing collapse in your life. That's what God's laws and commands are doing. They're giving you clarity in a world where we don't have nearly enough. And they're keeping us from collapsing in a world where it's incredibly easy to collapse. Can I get an amen? Uh, let me ask, can I get an amen? <laughs> so let's say this together. Can we do this? One, two, three. God's commands give clarity and prevents the collapse of our lives. This is what we're going to talk a little bit about, and we're going to look a little deeper in Exodus chapter 19. Let's go forward here. And I want to just share this with you. Frederick Douglass said something very powerful, and it applies so powerfully here. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Here is what I'm sharing with you and why I'm sharing this quote with you today. For you and for me, it is so much easier if we will follow God's laws and commands the first time than have to pick up the pieces of a shattered life and try to glue them back together. I'm going to say that one more time. For you and for me, it is so much easier for us to hear God the first time and follow those commands than it is for us to go along, pick up all the shattered pieces of the life that we have ruined and wrecked and bring them back together. Because the truth of the matter is, is that you and I are capable of doing the wrong thing that can undo a lot of really great things that are in our lives. How many of you know that? 
And so when you hear from God and he says, do not and thou shalt not, it's not because he wants to keep you and I from having a great life. It's because he wants a great life for you and I. And those things that seem to be enticing are never a part of a great life. They're never a part of a great life. Now, I'm going to share some things, and I just want you guys to know real quickly. Sometimes I share things with you guys that are adults in here, and y'all know. I mean, we know that the kids go back on the second and fourth Sunday, and I talk about some things sometimes that are maybe a little bit more adult. I'm going to be doing that here in just a few minutes, a little bit more uh, depth on some things. But you guys have heard me speak about my own grandfather, a man whose life had so many blessings in it, but he chose to go down a path that was very against what God commanded for him. And he found his life to be very different than the one that he hoped to build because of the way that he chose to go against God's commands. Specifically, I will tell you, and I have shared with you before, and uh, I do believe my granddaddy is looking down on me right now from heaven. I do believe that with all of my heart. But I will tell you that he would tell you as well that he was a man who could not control himself around women. He could not. And the, the, the shatteredness of the lives that were his children and his wives, you know, lives that were kind of affected by his decisions, that stuff could have been avoided. Not because God wanted to prevent joy and good times in his life, but because he wanted to him to understand joy on a whole different level. And it's just so important for us in our world today, which doesn't grasp, doesn't appreciate the thou shalt not and the reason that it is given. The truth of the matter is, is that God's command are here to give us clarity and to prevent collapse. And if you are on a precipice I should stand and get here and get my feet just over the edge and make some of y'all real nervous. Any, any of y'all starting to feel a little nervous? Shelly's like, I got to doctor you if you fall. Don't fall, you fool. Right. Here's the truth. If you are standing on a precipice and on the edge and about to make a decision because you think that that thing that you know is not right is the thing that will actually fulfill you, I'm here to tell you it will feel that way until it's done and then it can't be undone. And don't do it. Don't collapse the things that God has put in your life. Get some clarity before you get shattered and broken in ways that cannot be undone. Be very careful and be very cautious. It is because God loves you that he gives commands that are intended to pull you back from the precipice. I encourage you if, you, if I by chance am speaking to somebody who's there or somebody on the, uh, on the YouTube later, <laughs> I sounded so old there. If you're on the YouTubes later, if you're watching on YouTube and in the stream, you know maybe I'm speaking directly to you. Man, don't. Don't go that route. Don't go that way. Let's talk about God's top 10 and what we can learn from God's top 10 very quickly. There are 10 commandments, not hundreds, not 25, not 35, not 50, not even more. And later on, the Pharisees take this and put the number in the hundreds and hundreds of laws that they require other people to, to keep. But the amazing thing is, is that in God's presence, Moses leaves, and the Bible tells us on us next slide that he was able to carry those two tablets of stone in his hands up and down that huge mountain we mentioned. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the what? The finger of God himself. God writing his law so that mankind might know it. He did it, and I just love this. I love this. I haven't done the whole uh, Sunday school thing in a long, long, long time, but from Sunday school days, I can still remember the Ten Commandments in order. And this is really important. Now, not, that, not that I'm, you know, bragging here. It's not a big deal. It's ten things, you know. I'm not, but that's my point. God is not giving you 35 things to remember. He's giving you ten and you start thinking about this as being the law of the land later. This is God's plan. He says, if y'all keep these 10 things and the way that it kind of ripples outward, you're going to be in a good place. 
You don't have to memorize a truckload of things. You just simply memorize these 10. I want to go to our next slide very quickly. Let's go to our next slide. And noticing God's top 10, there are 10 commandments, not a lot. They are practical and they deal with real life. Okay, so here's what I want to share with you. Do you guys remember how God was constantly talking about circumcision? God was constantly talking about circumcision. And if you don't know what circumcision is, oh, here I go. All right, it is taking off the forward part of the skin of the penis. How many of y'all thought to yourself, when I go to church today, Pastor Randy's going to use the word penis? No, you did not, because I did not want to. (laughs) Now, why do I bring this up? Is it to get your attention? It is not. I want to go deeper. Why is God requiring of his people to remove such a painful thing, many of them in adulthood, not in childhood? But why is he requiring for them to say this thing that is in the most painful area that I can think of? And also, by the way, in the one area that I can't hardly seem to control as a man. He's requiring me to take off the natural and put on the supernatural. The reason this is so practical is, I want you to listen, how many of you, like me, your families have been dramatically impacted by someone who was unfaithful to wedding vows? What is God doing? He's saying that thing that you won't want to give up, that thing that is going to cut you in a way that you never want to be cut. That is the thing I require of you to give to me so that I can provide another realm of blessings that opens up whenever you enter a covenant with me. And can I tell you, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. We as Christians, I don't know what your physical body is, but I'm telling you, your spiritual body, women, And men, you don't want to give up that sexuality because that is the thing that you hold sometimes most dear. But it is the thing that God says, no, no, you're going to give that up and you're going to walk away from that thing that seems to be natural to you. But in the process, I'm going to bless you in a supernatural way. Do you guys understand where I'm coming from here and what I'm driving at? It's practical. God's not like, hey, give up this thing that you don't care about. And I'll bless you in great ways. He is going to demand something of you that you do not want to give up. He he calls it later in the New Testament a taking up of your cross and following me daily. It is a picking up of a, a way of life that you don't want to live by those rules. You'd rather live by the rules that our world say, well, that's cool enough, close enough. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And so for us, as his people, we have to be cut deep, spiritually speaking, to be people who say, whatever it is, however much it hurts, I'm willing to go that route so that I might be acceptable in the sight of the God who made me and has called me to something greater. So whenever we talk about it's practical, it's real life stuff, when he calls you to circumcision of the heart, it means that he's asking you to give away things that you don't want to give away. And it will hurt, but it also will bring purity as well as a testimony, as well as an insight and a closeness to God that you've never experienced before. Now, let me get even more gut level with you here. I'm going to get even more gut level with you here. Man, every one of us knows we're big boys and big girls in this place. You can have an affair like that today in our world. You can find someone. If you got one of these or one of these, you can have an affair. You can go down the road that brings you to destruction, right? How many of y'all know that? You know that, right? So how in the world do you prevent that? 
because you circumcise your heart and say, that thing is never going to touch my family, my life, because I have committed myself to God. And he has commanded me that that is not going to be my pattern of life, even if society tells me it's okay. You see what I'm saying? You and I, the way that we remain in God's purity is because we already have made the decision that it doesn't matter what's on my phone or what I can get from the app store. It matters that I do not go down that road in the first place because I have committed my life to a different way of life. You see what I'm saying? And so you have to make the decision because I promise you, there are going to be times where no eyes are on you and you will decide for yourself but you have to make the decision before the heat of the moment. You have to make the decision that you don't even put yourself in that place, in that position to fall. So important. I don't know why I feel led to say so much about this. Maybe, maybe I'm speaking specifically to somebody, and if that's the case, man, please listen. Please listen. Practical things that God's top 10 deal with. It's real life. It goes on and on. And second thing here, very quickly, let's go on. I've already talked with this, uh, and even in this passage of Scripture, talks about prepare yourselves for the third day and abstain from sexual relations. It's not that God thinks sex is dirty. It's just that he thinks that that is something that we always want to do when we want to do that. And God says, no, no, put that on hold so that you might honor me first. Above those things that you want to do, you honor me because it is the right thing that you should do. Okay, let's keep moving here. And let's keep moving as we go on um, to our next slide. We talk about in noticing in God's top 10, first, and first, second, third, and fourth, these first four deal with mankind to God and God to mankind. It says, you will have no other gods before me. You will not make for yourself a graven image. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see what I'm saying? They're all having to do with me towards God and God towards me. And then we go on and we see it's so crucial for us to recover a respectful understanding of God because a shallow view of God leads to a shallow life. You cheapen God and you cheapen life itself. But you treat God superficially, you become superficial. But if you can get to the place where you hold God in the profoundest respect, and it is remarkable how deep your spiritual life will grow. This is why it's the very first commandment, because everything that I want my life to be flows from it. First of all, I honor God above all things and all other gods, including the little G called Randy, including the little G called me. I honor God before I honor me. What does the world tell you? The world tells you, you honor yourself because no one else will. If you don't, no one else will. The truth is, is that this is the world upside down. This is the kingdom turned upside down where lowest is highest and highest is lowest. First is last, last is first. It is a shift that many Christians never actually make. They want to receive the blessings, but they never want to make the covenant commitment to say, this is what I will give up, and this is how hard I will pursue the God who has commanded me to live in a separate and holy way. I didn't figure I'd get too many amens, but I'm going to give you all a chance one more time. Amen? I mean, isn't this right? Because we want to receive the blessings, then we also enter the covenant, and that's where they come. Very quickly, um, I'm I want to talk about this, and, and I don't want to spend too long, and I am very close to the end. In his instructions, in the next slide, you will see that God speaks to Moses, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a tabernacle, and I want you to make something that's going to be later. A bunch of movies going to be made about it. It's called The Ark of the Covenant and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, you guys with me? So here it is. Have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will what? Dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly like the pattern I'm going to show you. And then have them make the ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, a cubit and a half high. And then it goes on in the next slide here. 
Um, and it says, overlay it with pure gold inside and out. Make a gold molding around it. The poles are to remain the rings of this ark. It's not to be removed. And then put the ark in the ark, the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. In other words, do you guys remember what the Ark of the Covenant used to show and used to symbolize? It symbolized God's presence. And Tabernacle was traveling with them as they were moving all around. And he said, and I will dwell in that place that goes with you wherever you go. And then the Ark of the Covenant will be a reminder, a physical reminder that God is with you, his people. You guys see where I'm going with this? You see what God is doing with this? He says, I want to be a part of you and I want you to be a part of me. Just like later he does with Jesus, just like he did back in the Garden of Eden, he says to his people, I want me to matter to you because you matter to me. But it can't be done with you and I just choosing to be however we are. We do it God's way. We do it God's way or it does not get done. I cannot pick and choose. I have to follow God's path. And in that, I show him that he is God and I am not. And I've got news for you. In the same way that I'm not God, you're not either. But he is. And he wants to be with you. But he demands that we say yes to his rules of engagement, not our own that we choose. Finally, in God's top 10, I could go on and on about this, and I will not. Mankind to mankind. It's not just mankind to God, but it is also mankind to mankind. You can't live a Christian life that doesn't affect the way that you treat other people. Not, not a real one. Not a real one. If you're a real one, it matters how you treat other people. Period, end of story. This is God's top 10. This is what he says. These are his commands for us to accept or reject. And I encourage us all, accept them because they prevent collapse and they bring clarity. And if you today need clarity or if you sense that you might be on the verge of collapse, this one's for you. Here's how we end today. First, a question. Second, the I apply by. First, the big question. Who gets to be God in your life? Is it God? Is it you? Or is it others? Because truth be told, you guys know as well as I do, there are some people who claim that God is their God, but the real decision maker is you. Me. Me. You. Right? Or there are people who make the real decision makers what others believe or think. Not according to their own understanding of God, but just the things that they hear. And they let others or self be their God. But the truth is, is that God is God and it is God alone. And everything else brings confusion, not clarity. And it brings collapse. And so you've got to be very careful that you build your life on the Lord. And very quickly, how do you apply this message? You make connecting with God regularly and powerfully your consistent pattern of life. It's not a one-time decision. It is a consistent choice over and over and over again. Now I'm ending with this story. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me and I will build my life upon your love Shaken and I
our prayer, that your holiness is our greatest desire, and that we commit ourselves to living a life that brings you glory and honor. Lord, if there is one who is close to the edge, who is close to collapse, if there is one that is wandering in darkness and desperately needing clarity, Lord, we turn ourselves to you for the one who gives clarity and prevents collapse It is you and you alone, and we want to enter into a covenant with you, the God and the maker of this universe. We love you. We declare ourselves to be your children today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody together said, amen. Thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention. Thank you, Karen. Didn't know you could sing when you're sitting. I'm impressed. I finally got to do that duet I've been begging for for like the last four years. That just happened. So, guys, thanks for being a part of things today. May God bless you as you go your separate ways. Thanks, and have a wonderful week. And I want to encourage you, just join along with me. We're going to end the way we always do. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week. God bless.